0: 82 down, 283 to go. My name is Chris. This is At a Theater Near Me, the podcast where I go to the movie theaters every single day for an entire year. Today I'm going to be talking about the movie The Lorax, but I'll be spending most of the time talking about last night's Academy Awards. It was both a predictable, yet totally unpredictable, and bizarre evening. I'm going to go over my top 10 takeaways from the night. But before I go any further, I want to tell you folks about the amazing popcorn at Popped Gourmet Popcorn. Popped has a store in Salem, Massachusetts, but they also have an online store at poppedstores.com that's P O P P E D stores.com that has over 100 flavors available. That's over 100 flavors of popcorn. They have a full-time popcorn chef that comes up with new and creative flavors each week. They also offer bulk popcorn, corporate gifts, wedding bags, and more. They can do almost anything in any size. And best of all, they can ship anywhere. They sent me over a bunch of flavors to try. Uh, I just opened up the Guadalajara. That's what I had when I was watching the Oscars. And it is popcorn that is pretty spicy. It has a real kick to it. Uh, I also love the Chicago style and of course the salt and vinegar. Look, this is a perfect option for me when I get home from the movies or when I'm watching the Oscars. Now the concessions month is over. If you go to popstores.com, P-O-P-P-E-D stores.com and use promo code MOVIES with Chris you will save 25% off your entire order. That's one word, movies with Chris, C-H-R-I-S. Go to popstores.com right now and check out their flavors. Okay, I'm gonna do a top 10 Oscar moments list. You know, things that are really memorable to me or things that could be really important down the road. And I was gonna do that list going from 10, working till one. Uh, But after last night's award show, it's so obvious what's number one, what number one is, so it seemed kind of foolish to do that. And of course, number one, I'm talking about the Beyonce song to start, no kidding. Of course it's the Will Smith, Chris Rock slapgate. I don't know what we're, do we have a name for this yet? I don't know what we're calling this, um, that everyone is, was talking about in the moment. And it's all people seem to be talking, I'm sure we'll be talking about today. I guess before I go any further, I do want to play the clip of the Australian television footage of the, uh, of the altercation, if you will. Chris Rock tells a G.I. Jane joke uh, that Will Smith smiled about at first and then became so enraged, she ended up storming the stage and slapping Chris Rock. And then the American footage of the Oscars edited out was, it was just kind of unclear what, what exactly was happening, what was being said. And it led some people to even think that this could be fake. I don't believe this is fake. I believe this is entirely real what happened. Um, but here is the here is the clip. Now, this was posted by uh, David Mack at David Mack, M-A-C-K-A-U. And he was watching the Australian footage, which did not edit anything out. So here is that footage, it's about a 30 second clip here. I'm going to. Okay? Okay, so like I said, I believe uh that slap and everything that happened was completely real. Uh Will Smith's um acceptance speech when he won the Best Actor Oscar, I think also solidified that. You could see see how emotional he is. And uh, while Will Smith's a pretty good actor, I don't think he's quite that good. I also don't see the benefit of this being this giant stunt here. I mean, I'm sure the Academy award producers and ABC loved it, but I don't really see how it would really help Chris Rock or Will Smith. So after the slap, Chris Rock then had to give out the award for best documentary. And he, w- he looked really rattled. You could tell he, w- he was pretty shook up by it. Uh, and then they ended up, they didn't go right to commercial. They, they went to something else and then they went to commercial. And during the commercial break, someone had someone had their phone out. It was, was shooting down. They were in the, uh, in the balcony. They were shooting down. And you can see Denzel Washington was, was talking with both Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. And Tyler Perry took Will Smith aside as well. And at one point you could see Will Smith was wiping tears away and this like, there were no cameras there. So I don't see any real reason to fake any of this. So once again, obviously it's real. Also after this, I just saw this tweet right before I started taping, but Chris Rock declined to press charges against Will Smith. I do believe once again, this, this is totally real. So a few, a few things here about this. So uh, that I think are interesting. So right after Chris Rock tells the joke, they did, they, ABC does a reaction shot and it's Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith. And Will Smith is kind of laughing. He definitely has a smile on his face. Now, it's probably one of those fake Hollywood smiles. You kind of like, you're trained to do, even when people are kind of making fun of you, to look like you're in on the joke and, you know, you're a good sport. So it's kind of like this perma grin that he has on. But Jada Pinkett Smith looks noticeably pissed off, like instantly. So, so then it cuts back to Chris Rock and um, that's when it kind of, it all kind of goes down. So I don't know. I don't know if Jada Pinkett Smith said something to Will in that brief moment, or if Will just looked over and saw how angry his wife was and then reacted. But then it was, you know, then it was on, as, as you heard. And Chris Rock seemed to think it was a joke up until he got slapped. I mean, Will Smith is storming the stage and Chris Rock has a pretty huge smile on his face. He's like, oh, like almost like this is a bit kind of thing, um, which I'll be honest, watching it, I kind of thought it might be too. Even though I saw how pissed off Jada Pickett Smith looked, I thought maybe Will was doing some weird deflector thing. He does some kind of weird Hollywood stuff sometimes and he has a little of that Tom Cruise in him. Well, for like most of Tom Cruise's career, he was, he appeared to be really media savvy, but then like once you stripped away a little bit of it, like he then looks like a completely crazy person. Like we saw like uh, when he was jumping on Oprah Winfrey's chair and Will Smith has some of that too, where he's been famous forever, but then like it it doesn't seem to be too many degrees away from like just completely losing his shit. And, And that's obviously what we saw tonight. After all that happened, when Chris Rock had to give out the uh, Oscar for best documentary and then Questlove gave a very nice impassioned speech, which no one I think was really paying attention. I think everyone was, was unfortunately for Questlove on their phones, like just trying to get, um, trying to understand what, what just happened or at least see footage that ABC had edited out. Um, it must be wild. I mean, imagine being him and like you tell a joke and, and, you know, obviously he's used to being on that stage. He's hosted the Oscars a couple of times. He's it's, it's not an unfamiliar f- place for him. I'm guessing. I wouldn't be surprised if the Academy were to ask him to host and he just declined. Like Chris Rock has presented at a lot of Oscars. He's pretty, and he's obviously, like, like I said, hosted. He's he's pretty familiar to the to that Oscar landscape. So for him to look so rattled, that was pretty shocking to see. This all happens. And we know that Will Smith is a huge favorite to win Best Actor. So we know that he's eventually going to have to go back on stage and give a speech. How's that all going to go? He's going to be able to calm himself down. Uh, and he does win for Best Actor. And he does give a speech. And the speech is pretty bizarre. It's about six minutes in the length. He talks about protecting um, his cast members from King in King Richard. I, I'm sure this was obvious. This seemed like obviously improvised because of what had just happened. You know, a half hour earlier, it didn't really sit right with me. Um, it seemed like he was trying to defend his actions of hitting someone by quote unquote defending people that he worked with. He even says like, "I defended uh, the woman who played my wife in the movie, you know, Anne Ellis, who." is up for her, who's up for her own Academy Award. Like, she's a grown woman. I don't know if, I I don't know, I don't know what happened on the set over there, but like, did she think that she needed to be defended by Will Smith? And then he talks about defending the two actresses, the child actresses that played Serena and Venus Williams. And all I'm thinking is, protect them from what? Like, what are you, what are you talking about? It seemed like he was using these three women um, who are all doing a job. They're all colleagues of his. He was using them as props to make Will Smith, you know, himself look better. It does go to show you like what happens when like there's a crisis moment. I mean, crisis, obviously we're we're talking in Hollywood. Uh, scales here. This isn't this is the Ukraine. But for Will Smith, this was a crisis moment in his professional career. And he doesn't have his handlers with him constantly. He's not being coached on things. So you're seeing actually him react in real time and like the real honest reaction. And it's completely off the rails and bizarre. Uh, he couldn't hold his emotions in check. Obviously, he just won an Oscar. It's the biggest moment of his professional career. You could see that the way he defended himself, I imagine if his handlers had been able to talk him through that speech, it would have been very, very, very different. Interesting, that same speech, he apologized to the Academy and to the other nominees, I guess for Best Actor. I don't know if, I don't know if they, they were offended by this action. Uh, but never to Chris Rock, which was telling. Like He, he obviously was still really pissed off about it. Uh, I imagine we'll see an apology from Will Smith in the next couple of days, I'm guessing. I'm also really curious to see how the media and the public look at this. Like, are they going to be team Will Smith or team Chris Rock? I, I mean, just based on the instant reactions on Twitter, it looks pretty divided. But what does this do for jokes at the Oscars? Like how, do, how does the award show move forward from this? And, you know, you got to think the award show is always going to side with their nominees. Now they want these big stars to go to this event. They need that. Um, Chris Rock and Will Smith are in pretty different positions in Hollywood. You know, Will Smith was kind of a fading star before King Richard, but even so, Will Smith is a top line movie star. Uh, Chris Rock is a very talented stand-up comic. Like Hollywood doesn't look at those two at at all the same. They're going to value Will Smith a lot more. So would the Oscars have on someone like Ricky Gervais? I mean, obviously not. I mean, they, they've, Ricky Gervais has famously hosted the Golden Globes a bunch and, and he's been kind of the most ruthless of these hosts. Um, So, you know, they've always kind of steered clear of him, but would they even have like a Chris Rock? Obviously, probably not him ever again either, but, you know, would they have a a comedian on again? Amy Schumer and Regina Hall were making some jokes. They made fun of The Last Duel. Um, They made fun of being the Ricardos. They were You know, some pointed barbs. I will say there were barbs of people that weren't there. So, I mean, not terribly brave of them, but barbs that could piss off some sensitive egos in Hollywood, but are they going to have it be super safe next year where you'll see maybe more actors and actresses actually host the show or have it be more of like a song and dance type situation? And if so, I think that'll make for a pretty boring Oscars. Um, I I like when the hosts can can throw some jabs at some of the people there. I mean, it's such a huge ego night. I mean, it's basically the entire entire Oscars is just the the Academy just patting itself on the back. You have actors and very rich people celebrating other actors and very rich people. I think having a comedian there that is able to, to throw some barbs at some of these people is needed. It's necessary. I don't know. I guess, I guess we'll, we'll see what happens next year, but I don't think this is something that the Oscars are going to forget about very quickly. This is a, a pretty huge moment. And one, where I think mean, I'm sure they're in some level happy it happened, um, I'm sure the really stuff shirt people aren't happy, but I'm sure ABC's happy The ratings. I'm sure we'll, we'll have it uptick and it's a moment everyone's talking about with the Oscars, which is exactly what they needed, but I don't know if they want some of this to happen often. Um, and they certainly don't want big stars to not go to this event because they're afraid they're going to be made fun of. Okay. So is what Chris Rock did, right? Like, was that a fair joke? Uh, I think it was. Um, Jada Pinkett Smith is a public figure. She's a major TV star. She's been in movies. She's a she's a pretty legitimate actress in Hollywood. Um, I think it would be different if Chris Rock made that same joke about a big time actor's wife, say that wasn't married to a celebrity. That was just kind of a, just happened to be his wife that was there to support him, but wasn't in the public eye. I think if that was the case, that would have been out of bounds. But I think when you are a public figure, you have to expect something, you know, some of these things to maybe happen. And I don't know if that's the joke to kind of draw the line on. I mean, it's easy for me to say, I guess, um, you know, they did that. He did that joke in rehearsals. So we know that everyone had, you know, all the people at ABC that were there or the, or the academy that was involved with the production, the director, they all signed off on that. So they didn't think it was out of bounds. Now on the other side. Jada Pinkett Smith has been public. She's been public about this since I think December of last year. She suffers from alopecia, which means she loses her hair. She has a, uh, I guess she has a bald spot on her head and she was suffering with it for years. She's a beautiful actress and losing her hair must have been very traumatic. I'm sure that Will Smith has comforted her through a lot of nights where she's crying. I'm sure it's a really emotional, difficult thing for a woman to deal with. So he's seeing, you know, the reality of that situation a lot easier than all of us on our couch or Chris Rock is. But if you're a public figure, it it is somewhat fair game, perhaps. Um, You know, when Chris Rock told the joke in real time, I was a little surprised, but it wasn't like the most shocking thing I'd ever heard. I wasn't I certainly didn't expect Will Smith to be that upset about it. Uh, I thought Jada Pinkett Smith might like, you know, make it make a face, which she did. But I thought that would kind of be the end of it. I never thought it would lead to a physical altercation. I guess which leads me to my last point on this matter. Is Will Smith okay? Like, he definitely seems like he's going through something. Um, Now, is the speech he gave being completely off the rails, is that because he's giving an unscripted speech where his handlers aren't there to help him. And you know we're just seeing how unpolished the real Will Smith is, or is this a guy that has a lot of stuff going on? Maybe there's some personal stuff happening that we're not aware of, or was he just overwhelmed by the moment? I don't know. Uh, Maybe all those things are true, uh, but he definitely didn't seem like someone who has the strongest mental health right now. And that's obviously one moment and it is an emotional moment for a lot of people. So uh, maybe we shouldn't make too much of that and try to, you know, analyze Will Smith's mental health from that. But it definitely seemed like a guy that we've been watching for a long time. I and mean, he's been famous for uh, over 30 years now. You know, you'd think he'd be pretty used to criticism. Uh, his wife's been in the business for, I think, about 30 years as well. Like she should be pretty used to criticism. So it's it's not like this is their first time getting shit on or, or you know, reading a bad review or, or getting dragged publicly. Um, the reaction was very bizarre. So I guess my last point on this is, is this the craziest moment in Oscar history? In 2017, we have La La Land, quote unquote, winning the best picture. Uh, Of course, it was Moonlight that had won and Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway had, I guess the wrong envelope. Uh, I mean, getting the the best picture wrong is is pretty strange. Um, In 1974, you have a streaker that ran across the stage. Uh, David Niven was one of the co-hosts and he was uh, introducing a presenter. While he was doing that, uh, a naked man ran in back of him. And in 1973, and this might be the, the, the most bizarre moment in Oscar history, maybe before this one. Marlon Brando, of course, won Best Actor for The Godfather. And then he sent up a Native American woman. Uh, he, Marlon Brando did not attend the Oscars. He has this Native American woman go up And refused the oscar uh, said brando did not want to accept it because uh he was protesting how uh, hollywood was portraying native americans in film i almost think this might be a the most bizarre moment ever only because you have two major stars like having the interaction it wasn't just like one person acting strangely you have two major stars and you have a moment where for a second there you like anything could happened. is chris rock gonna hit him back did the, was it even was it a hit or a slap when i first saw it i thought he punched him but i'm thinking if he really punched him like will smith's a pretty big guy if he punched chris rock and chris rock was just standing flat footed like that he'd be on the ground you think because chris rock was never expecting to be punched he, even to the last second he thought it was a joke but then you also have will smith's uh acceptance speech which is so bizarre so i gotta say i think this might be the most the most bizarre moment in oscars history Okay, let's go through the uh, rest of my my top ten here. Uh, as far as top ten, kind of biggest moments of the night. Uh, number two, Coda wins Best Picture. Uh, this is the first Best Picture win by a streamer. Uh, I guess the big news here is that Apple TV, Apple Plus uh, wins the the Best Picture. They, they produced this this film, um, and it was on their streaming service. You know, Netflix has spent hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars to try to win this award, whether it be you know, making movies like Roma or the Irishman, uh, or even this year with power, of the dog, they've spent just as much money promoting these films to other, uh, Academy award voters. They've tried everything they could to win this best picture award and then Apple TV, um, kind of comes out of nowhere and, and grabs it. Um, Huge moment for Apple, huge moment for streamers, which probably isn't great for this podcast where I go to the movie theaters. Uh, but you know, if the Will Smith thing hadn't happened, that would be, the, I think, the takeaways. This is the day that the streamers win. Hulu had a zillion ads uh, in, during the telecast. And I thought it was kind of a missed opportunity for Apple TV. I think Apple TV should have been the one with, with trying to get all these ads. Now, when you do these ad buys, sometimes you're doing them way in advance. so you know, Apple TV, you know, Coda wasn't supposed to win this best picture until a couple of weeks ago. It's gonna be power dog the entire time. So maybe they were like, well, they didn't think they had a shot until it was too late. And then they maybe couldn't buy the ad space. It would already been already been bought by Hulu. I don't know, but I feel like that could have been a really big moment for Apple to really show off what they have, they're a newer streamer compared to Hulu or Netflix. So I was a little surprised I didn't see more advertising from them. And um, I was surprised how much Hulu did throw in there. Uh, But it's funny, a lot of stuff Hulu was advertising were TV shows, so it wasn't wasn't as many movies. Um, They were definitely going for that TV audience. Okay, the third biggest takeaway here, uh, the three hosts. So we have Regina Hall, Wanda Sykes, Amy Schumer. Amy Schumer had some funny lines up top, uh, especially about being the Ricardos. Um, Let's you know, she's shitting on Aaron Sorkin. He's not there. And then she's like apologizing to Nicole Kidman during it, who is there. And then they made that joke. uh, I believe it was Regina Hall made the joke about the last duel. And once again, I mean, it's fine. It's a fair shot. The movie didn't do well, and it's I don't mind. You know, make fun of bombs. That's funny. It's it's movies should be joking about movies. That's great. But you know, no one from that movie was there. I feel like Wanda Sykes was barely used at all. Uh, Regina Hall had that weird bit where she was like objectifying men. She called up. Uh, four different men on stage, like really handsome guys, and was saying how like, but like stars, like Bradley Cooper and Timothy Chalamet, and and she was saying how she wanted to give them like COVID tests, where she was gonna first kiss them and then do other, she said like kind of like freaky things with them in the back to test them for COVID. And I was just thinking, like, can you imagine if the roles reversed on gender here? If it was a guy doing that, like brought up like four women and was just you know four beautiful women was talking about all the things they want to do to them in the back? It, it was it seemed a weird, out of place joke. But maybe the biggest misstep, I think, um, from these hosts, and the hosts, by the way, were not on the show really at all the last two hours, this telecast. They were there for the, you know, the first third of it, and then they, they vanished. We barely saw the hosts at all. I didn't think they were doing a great job anyway, so fine. Um, and then all the stuff with Will Smith happens, and you kind of even forgot that the show even had hosts. But then Amy Schumer does come back near the end, and she makes a joke about the situation, just saying, oh, did I miss anything while I was gone? And it's like, well, you know, you, you have the Will Smith thing just happened. You know, that's all anyone's talking about. I think you have to like talk about that incident a little bit. Like you can't just like make this like sly comment and then just, just breeze right ahead with, with the next thing you're doing this next bit. I think, I think you kind of put, should put things on pause and, and talk about it. Uh, everyone just seemed terrified after that event. Like everyone seemed like really nervous to about it. Uh, P Diddy came out, uh, and actually like referenced it and was obviously just improvising. He, I think this was even before the commercial break happened. He had come out after the uh, best documentary award was given. And he was really loose about it. He, he seemed, he seemed much more comfortable talking about it than any of the hosts wanted to talk about it. So they, I think, I don't think the host did a very good job. I I can't imagine any of those three will be back again. Um, it was a pretty weak performance all in all. Um, but I don't think they destroyed the show by any stretch. Okay. The eight categories that were on tape delay. I didn't, hate this as much as I thought I would. I, I, am still not happy about it. Um, I, you know, if you're on Twitter at all, uh, you knew what, who the winners of those eight awards were before the Oscars even started. These Oscars, these awards were presented in that first hour that was not televised. And then what they did was they edited these speeches, um, and put them in various parts of, of the telecast. Uh, I don't know. I mean, if you're gonna have a show that runs 39 minutes late anyway, then just have the awards, like just, just show the full awards. I, I, I didn't love this. Um, if you're going to make the show two hours and you're rid of eight categories, all right, that's, that's, I, I don't agree, but I can understand where that's coming from, but I don't get having a show that's three hours and 39 minutes long, and then not showing all the awards live. I could do with a lot less of the, of the song and dance numbers. Uh, they did, uh, we don't talk about Bruno. Um, which they had advertised throughout the entire telecast. They're going to do this song. Um, it was not nominated for an Oscar, but it, you know, it's been the number one song in, in the country for a while. And they do the song, but then they end up not doing the entire song. And they end up having this weird bit where they're like, singing about the Oscars during the song. If people are watching that telecast, they're not going to want to see, they want to to hear the song. Like That's what you've been advertising you're going to show us. So I, I don't know. I think the songs were definitely a mistake. I hope there's less than the next year, but I'm sure there won't be. So my fifth takeaway is something I really liked and that's the reunion, the presenter reunions they did. So to honor the anniversaries of various films, they had cast reunions, uh, present awards. And it was a fun way to get people together that have chemistry because they've known each other a long time. They've worked together. They've had a successful film together. And it was fun as an audience member to watch some of my favorite actors and actresses reunite. Um, They did some pretty good ones. They had Juno, White Man Can't Jump. And then bizarrely, they had Pulp Fiction, which was like the 28th anniversary. Uh, The other ones were, you know, five or 10 years or whatever. uh, Along those lines, it was strange to see a 28th anniversary for Pulp Fiction. Uh, But I still enjoyed it. I still really liked it. Uh, The one reunion I didn't like was the Godfather reunion. So they said they were honoring the entire trilogy, which I don't think anyone wants to honor Godfather part three. And then they had De Niro, Pacino, and Francis Ford Coppola get together. Like De Niro wasn't even in the first one. Like, and it's the 50th anniversary of the first one. Honor the first one. Don't have De Niro there. Have James Caan come out. Have Talia Shire come out. I know Robert Duvall is over 90, but if he's Healthy enough to be able to come out, bring him. Like, you could honor Godfather 2 in two years. I don't think anyone would object to that. I thought they really missed the boat with the Godfather reunion. I I was a little disappointed by that. I will say, uh, Francis Ford Coppola thanking Robert Evans. Those two have been at odds with each other publicly and privately for so long. Obviously, Evans has since passed, but it was nice of, it was a nice touch by Coppola to do that uh, in that moment. And uh, it was a classy way to kind of end that story. He also mentioned Mario Puzo, which which was nice too. he doesn't could probably get enough credit okay i'll get to moments six through ten in a second but first are you sick of skyrocketing prices and vendors never having anything on the shelf for 40 years kl jack has been the premier industrial supplier in northern new england they are a proud family owned company headquartered in portland maine they proudly distribute quality brands such as lennox 3m dewalt and strong durable american-made viking brand drill bits and cutting tools Head over to kljack.com right now and use promo code TIM10 to get 10% off your first online order. KL Jack has the quality fasteners, abrasives, safety products, cutting tools, and chemicals you need to keep costs down and to keep rolling. KL Jack has locations throughout Maine and New Hampshire, but shipping nationwide daily. You order it, they pick it, they pack it, and they ship it. If you are an electrician, plumber, or work in HVAC, this is a no-brainer. If you have any industrial supply questions, reach out to Tim Riggles on Twitter at Tim Riggles, at T-I-M-R-I-D-G-O-L-D-S, or go to kljack.com right now and use promo code TIM10 for 10% off your first online order. Okay, number six, Troy Kotzer's speech was just sensational uh, and just a a wonderful moment. He was so good in CODA. I love seeing him win. And then he told a heartbreaking story about his father, who is also deaf, uh, who uh, I guess the best at sign language at his, in his family, and his father was in a car accident and was paralyzed from the neck down, was no longer able to communicate, and that is just just a brutal story. And once again, with Coda and and with this cast and with uh, Sean Hader, the director and screenwriter, she won the Oscar for screenwriting. They are so effective at putting you in their shoes and and trying and helping you kind of understand just one small fraction of what how difficult their journey must be. I was watching the Oscars and I was thinking of that moment in CODA when they're watching their daughter's high school concert and they really don't know what's happening. They're kind of bored during it and they're trying to be attentive parents. But if you're sitting somewhere for a couple hours and you can't hear anything and you can understand how you can kind of end up kind of being in your own world a little bit. so. You no, I was wondering about them watching the ceremony, like how much were they able to be able to be aware of what was going on? And, and what is the, just the day-to-day life for them like? I don't know, this movie is fantastic. Coda won Best Picture. Obviously, if you haven't seen it, check it out. I know a lot of people weren't able to see it because it was only on Apple, but I don't know. It's worth Apple to get this movie. It, it's that good. Uh, and his speech was one of the most powerful I've ever seen uh, an Oscar winner give. My number seven takeaway, the Twitter poll was a disaster. Oscar and Twitter teamed up to, um, have two different kind of fan votes, uh, be announced on screen. And of course Twitter got involved. So both became total troll jobs. So the, uh, one of the, uh, not one of the categories, excuse me, was most cheer-worthy mov- movie moment ever. So, you know, what was the most uplifting moment in film history? And the winner was by the fans on Twitter when flash enters the speed force in the Zack Snyder film Justice League. They doubled down when Twitter also had the uh, Oscar fan favorite. So what's the, basically the best movie of the year. Um, they asked that on Twitter and uh, Twitter came back with uh, Army of the Dead. Uh, and like you could tell like os- the Oscar producers were so embarrassed by this. They wanted to like hide these away. Uh, you could tell they were not happy with, with this partnership with, uh, with Twitter. Uh, they did not talk about it much in the last few weeks. Once it kind of showed the voting was going to be just, you know, people just fucking around and having some fun. Um, I don't think that's exactly what Oscars had in mind. They take themselves very seriously. And I don't think they found that poll very funny. Okay. My eighth takeaway was the upbeat singing and dancing, uh, during the, uh, in memoriam, uh, segment. So this was different for a few reasons. Uh, one reason was different was you had a, usually it's a very somber song. Obviously I remember, I think Dave Grohl once played, uh, blackbird on a guitar acoustic. And it was very, very powerful. And, you know, you're just watching clips of people who had just passed in the last year that were involved with film. And, um, and the song was just kind of in the background, you know, the people who had died, obviously are front and center. Not this year, this year you had really upbeat singing and dancing. They changed the song like two or three times. They did bring on though. The other change was they brought on like a testimonials from people who knew some people who had died. So, uh, They had Tyler Perry talk about Sidney Poitier. They had Bill Murray talk about Ivan Reitman. And they had Jamie Lee Curtis talk about Betty White. And that was nice because a personal touch. I would be lying though if I didn't say you know the In Memoriam is always an interesting watch because it's fun to see kind of who is the last person they mention because usually the biggest star, uh, and it just shows you like how ego driven Hollywood is that even when people are dead they're still like ranking them. And, um, but they didn't do I guess they did this year by having only three testimonials. So I guess we know who the Academy thought the three most. Important people who died were. Meanwhile, you know Peter Bogdanovich dies, and you know just barely gets a a quick uh, little shot of his uh, of his face and his name. And Betty White gets this testimonial, which is I don't know if Betty White, obviously huge TV star, I don't know if she had the same impact in movies that Bogdanovich had. My ninth biggest takeaway is these Oscars were not very political. Uh, For instance, uh, there was a lot of rumors that the Ukraine president Zelensky was going to speak. In fact, Sean Penn said that if. Zelensky did not speak during the Oscars. He is going to publicly melt down one of his Oscars. be so angry. So I guess we'll, we have that to look forward to. But I feel like there wasn't a lot of politics in it at all. I mean, not too many people mentioned Ukraine. Jessica Chastain had some some political uh, points in her speech when she won Best Actress. Uh, and the host made some mention of like the Don't Say Gay bill in Florida. In fact, this is one of the least political years I can remember in, in recent history. And I guess that leads to my last point was the 10th point, which is it just feels like Oscars again. Um, You know, it's a big weird night. You have all the huge stars there. It's a live event, strange things happen. I mean, obviously this one, the strangest thing happened. I mean, this was a year where the favorites won. Thank God. If something like this had happened, thank God it happened this year. It's the first year back from last year's horrible, horrible Oscars. The Godfather 3, the Rocky 5 of Oscars. I mean, just just a horrible, horrible production. This would have been a boring year otherwise. You had three hosts that really weren't doing a very good job. It wasn't particularly funny. The show was pretty long as we saw. So I think this could have gotten a lot of negative criticism potentially just for kind of being boring. Um, But with the Will Smith element, it became one of the more exciting Oscars. So like one of the last events, I mean, obviously you have the Super Bowl, um, but there aren't many events that are, are live on TV. Everyone's watching the same time that everyone's going to talk about at work tomorrow. And the Oscars are one of those moments. I mean, even like the La La Land thing or you know anything that happened, even last year's disaster, You know when Chadwick Boseman didn't win, that was still talked about the next day. That was still a, a hot issue to talk about um, and where people can have opinions about it. I know you no, know, did everyone watch The Father last year, or even Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, to have an opinion about it? No, but they knew who Chadwick Boseman was, and they liked him. And people might have been really upset he didn't win an Oscar. But this year, where no one, you know, a lot of the American public ha- watching this award show hadn't seen a lot of these movies, so when you have two stars like Will Smith and Chris Rock into an interaction, you don't need to even have seen these movies to get what happened. So moments like that are w- what's going to keep the Oscars alive and keep the Oscars relevant. So I'm sure ABC will be happy. I'm guessing the ratings will, because of just the, I'm sure everyone was saying you got, you know, I know on Twitter, you got to, got to watch these Oscars. You got to watch, got to, got to put this on right away to see what Will Smith's going to say during his acceptance speech. So I really, I'd be very interested to see what the ratings are before that happened and after that happened. But on a year where the favorites all won, it was still a pretty entertaining night. Okay. Budget month. I went to the Cinemark in Rockingham park uh, in Salem, New Hampshire, and I saw the Lorax there. So they have these $5 cartoons uh, that they'll play uh, at Cinemark. So they're usually movie cartoons that are like 10 to 20 years old. They're not Disney, it's like Universal Pictures cartoons or it's a Dreamworks if you go far back enough. So maybe they're not like I would consider a lot of these to be huge classics, but they're 5 bucks each. They usually show them once a day. They're matinees. But, you know, if you're looking for, to bring your kid to have something to do, this is this can be a pretty inexpensive win for you. And it certainly helped me out budget months. Five bucks for a ticket. That's not too bad. So that means I've now spent $2,777 so far. Uh that would work out to be $30, $33.87 a day, or for the entire year would be $12,361. Look, going to see a movie every day is a tough task, both logistically and financially. Luckily, with the help of of Tom Treshock from CNA Financial Group. You can reduce your worry about the financial planning portion. Tom's approach helps show your big financial picture and finds ways to build income and protect wealth, all while maintaining your current way of life. To schedule a meeting with Tom to find out more, give him a call at 732-403-7747. Once again, that's 732-403-7747 to book your meeting registered representative and financial advisor of Park Avenue Securities, LLCPS, securities products and advisory services offered through PAS, member FINRA, SIPC, CNA Financial Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of PAS. Call Tom today. He will be happy to hear from you and talk with you about any financial concerns you may have. Okay. I know I'm going long here. So talk quickly about The Lorax, which is not a very good movie. I give The Lorax a D. I can't think of too many animated films where I'm being lectured to quite as often as The Lorax did. I know The Lorax book is is, is a message hammer as it is, um, but difference between a, a short children's book and you know a, an eighty six minute movie. Some of the songs in this are are not only bad but also just so message hammering. It's 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 almost hard to take. This is a movie that lectures us about capitalism, uh, environmentalism, uh, colonialism. Uh, but it's funny though, you know, they, they have all these messages that they, they force feed down our throat. So for a movie that's constantly lecturing us about capitalism and pollution, you know, the producers have no problem teaming up with Mazda when they were promoting this film to promote their CX-5 SUV, which is not an electric car. It's not a hybrid car. The movie also made, you know, 300, almost $350 million worldwide. So it's hard to take lecturing from people who are lining their pockets. And that's fine. You know, go make a movie that turns a huge profit. Good for you. But don't then tell me about how bad profit is while you're profiting off of me going to see this movie. The movie looks pretty good, especially the non-human objects. Um, the humans look kind of weird, uh, but everything else looks pretty sharp. Uh, I just really didn't like the songs and I really just got tired of being hammered with the various messages they were telling me about. I I really, I really don't want to be lectured to by Dr. Seuss characters. Um, I'm also not a huge Dr. Seuss fan growing up. I have no real emotional attachment to the book. So it didn't win me over from nostalgia either. It just seemed like kind of a lousy film. Uh, Like I said, I'm going to give this a D. Okay, I'll be back on Wednesday and I will talk to you folks then.